You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for being here with us. Wouldn't worship great this morning? Hey, I hope you'll... Uh, Come back this evening and be a part of it with us tonight at 7 p.m. We'll have an hour of, of worship, and Elias will be leading us through that. So join us for that. Um, we do want to dismiss our kids now. So any kids in the room that are elementary age that want to head over to the small group leaders here in the back, you guys can head that way. Come on, let's hear it for all the kids in the room. And all of our volunteers that are serving them. Thank you. Uh, I want to mention our, our Trunk or Treat event on the 30th of this month. Uh, from four to six. This is uh, an all play for our church, so everyone needs to be involved in some way, whether you uh, do a trunk, which my wife and I are doing, or you serve hot dogs, or um, you, you hand out waters, or greet people, um, however, or bring candy. Um, some way, be involved in trunk or treat. And if you're in the season of life, like Heather and I are, uh, where your kids are grown and they're not going to be wanting to walk from trunk to trunk, then um, this is a perfect opportunity for you to let our young families with little ones walk around and have a good time that night. And those of us who aren't in that season of life, we can do the trunks so they can have a good time, right? All right, so everybody sign up for that on the website or app. We, we got to know pretty soon about those trunks. You can go to the events part of our website and app and do that. All right, so there was a the young man who, who didn't have a phone and he wasn't on social media. Uh, so he didn't have any of those social media platforms, and he decided to do social media on the streets. Uh, so he wanted to make friends by doing some of the principles of social media out at Peninsula Town Center. So he walked out of Peninsula Town Center, and he started just walking up and talking to people. He started telling people passing by what he had eaten, and how he felt, and what he did the night before, and what he was going to do the rest of the day. He walked up to people and showed them pictures of his wife and his kids and his dog and him working in the yard and pictures of their vacation and spending time by the pool. He started listening to other conversations that people were having. And when they said something that he thought was pretty cool, he would go up and say, I like that. And then if he didn't like it, he just didn't say anything. Then he heard some people talking over here and over there, and they were kind of sharing their opinions on things. And so he thought this was a great time for him to just walk up to them and start sharing his opinions on the things that they were talking about. So he started telling them all the things that he thought about their opinions and how they were all wrong, and he was right. And it worked. In one afternoon, he got four new followers, two police officers, a social worker, and a psychiatrist. All right. Social media, it is so good for so many reasons. We, uh, you know, we use it here at the church. Um, I, I, I think that it's here to stay, so you might as well jump on the bandwagon and use it because it can be used for good things like keeping up with friends and certainly sharing God's love and the gospel with people. So we ought to be doing those things. But social media can also be a mask that we hide behind. We want people 
just kind of naturally, we, we want people to validate us, and so we put our best foot forward, even though maybe it's not necessarily the truth. We, we share with people, um, you know, pictures of our life or posts about our life, and we can kind of hide behind that and not necessarily be real about who we really are. We can kind of hide uh, what's going on and make people think that our life and our the things that are going on in our life are kind of hitting on all cylinders when they not necessarily aren't, and maybe we're, we're struggling in some way. Um, and so the Bible has a lot to say about our emotions. Um, God knows our emotions. He, he knows, the Bible talks about laughter and crying. It talks about grief and, and joy. It talks about all of these wide ranges of emotions. And uh, we're going to look today at a verse in Proverbs chapter 14, starting in verse 13. Actually, we're going to read, we're going to jump up to, up to verse 10 so we kind of get the context of everything here, but we're going to focus on one verse only today, Proverbs 14, verse 13. So if you've got a Bible, it's a great time to pull it out. I want to start encouraging you to bring a Bible if you have one at home. It's great for you to have it in your lap. It's, there's something unique and special about it, and so Let's look at Proverbs, starting in verse 10, but focusing in on verse 13. It says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one, can sh- no one else can share its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Even in laughter, this is verse 13, even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. So let's look at verse 13 again. Let me read it again to you. It says, even in laughter, the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. Now let's look at a, different, a few other different translations. That's always fun to do. New King James Version says, even in laughter, the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. Don't you love that word, mirth? Mirth, say mirth, it's fun to say, mirth. It's, uh, it's gladness or amusement that kind of, it, it contains laughter. The New Living Translation says this, laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when laughter ends, the grief remains. So we're going to look at this verse, we're going to dig into it, the the, the truth of the human condition. There's three different things that we see in this verse that we can kind of extract from that one verse about the human condition and about God. And so before we do that, why don't we pray together before we jump in? God, we, we come before you uh, with uh, open minds, open hearts, uh, willing for you to, to speak to us now in this moment, Lord. You you know us well, and you know what's going on in our lives. You know what's behind the laughter. You know what's behind the smile. You truly know who we are, and you love us. You've created us to be emotional beings. And so, Lord, even though we, we may be fooling the person beside us or the people who greeted us this morning, you certainly know the condition of our heart right now. So God, I pray that as we look at this together, that it would show us who we are and show us who you are. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, three truths about the human condition that we can pull out of this verse, verse 13 of Proverbs chapter 14. The first is this, God knows us well. 
God knows us well. It says in that verse, even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. So you can know that your God knows you well. That's great news, isn't it? He knows you well. There's a wide range of emotions listed here in verse 13, from laughter and heartache and joy and grief. You kind of pick up on those nouns, laughter, four really important words, laughter, heartache, joy, and grief. And all of these are the, the wide range of the human emotions Uh, The highest of highs you're reading about and the lowest of lows. And it's written that way because God wants you to know that he knows you well. He knows what makes you smile. He knows what makes your heart leap inside your chest. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what makes your stomach turn in anxiety. He knows the heartache that you feel. He knows what keeps you up at night. He knows what you cry about when you're in the bed alone by yourself at night and you're weeping. He knows. He knows. He knows you better than you even know yourself. Do you realize that? He knows every emotion. In fact, Psalm 134 verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So God created us. God knit us together in our mother's womb. He, he, he knows us. He loves us. He cares about us. And every emotion that we feel is known by God. In fact, when we read the Bible, we see that the word sorrow is written 70 times. The word sad, 13 times. The word bitterness of heart, 18 times. Grief, 62 times. Joy, 158 times. Laughter, 30 times, and glad 139 times. Do you think God knows something about your emotions? God knows you well. Psalm 56 says that God keeps track of all my sorrows and collects all my tears in his bottle and has recorded each one in his book. It's an amazing, tender, encouraging truth Luke chapter 12, verse 7 says that even the number of hairs on our head are numbered by God. That, you know, for some of you, that's easy. God can look at you and say, well, you have zero or one or two. Others, thousands of hair on your head, hairs on your head. God knows every hair on your head. He records them. He numbers them, it says. But he also numbers the amount of, or the number of tears that you cry. He says that's the... 1,537th tear that you've ever cried. And he collects those things in a bottle, those tears in a bottle, and he records every single one of them. I think that's why I love the book of Revelation when it says, in heaven, there'll be no more tears, no more crying. The sad part of our emotional life will be gone and only the good parts will remain. The peace and the joy that we have in Christ Jesus will last forever. So Proverbs And other verses in the Bible teach us that God knows us well. He knows our ups and our downs. He knows the laughter. He knows the heartache. He knows the joy. He knows the grief. And he created us to be be emotional beings. Right now, attached to your head are glands and tear ducts that create liquid in your eyes when you have an emotional response. Some of you will experience that today. 
uh, in, in, in the muscles that he created in our face to help us to smile. Smile. Everybody come and smile. You know? Are you guys good at smile? When they say smile at a picture, are you good at that? Or you feel like your smile's weird when you do pictures? Like, like all the pictures of me, like, like, that's not how I smile. But he creates us inside of us, these, these muscles that, that uh, help our faces to smile. We, we know that we can laugh, and laughter is healthy. Proverbs says that laughter is good what? Anybody know? Good medicine. It reduces stress. But Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to laugh. So there must be a time when we shouldn't laugh, or there's a time to not laugh. There's a time to cry, and there must be a time not to cry. Have you ever, have you ever laughed at the wrong time before? Anybody? You get the giggles, you know, when you're not supposed to have the giggles. It's supposed to be serious, and you can't stop laughing about something. Uh, my, my wife and I were at a dinner with several other couples. I asked her this week, I said, when was the time that we like laughed when we weren't supposed to laugh? She said, well, you remember that time we were at that dinner with those other couples? And one of the couples brought a, a really, really, really old grandfather. And so we're all there eating together. And then the grandfather cocks his leg and passes gas really loudly, loudly. And so everybody else just keeps on eating, acting like nothing happened. And my wife and I locked eyes with each other, which was the worst thing that we could have done in the moment. (laughs) And we just busted out laughing. The two of us had to get up from the table, go around the corner, and get ourselves together. There were tears coming out of our eyes. And then we had to try to go back to the table and eat with them. It was, there's a time to laugh, and there's a time to not laugh. We had that all mixed up that day. Weeping is good and, and healthy. It it cleanses the eyes, but it also cleanses the emotions. It's unhealthy to suppress those emotions. Some, some people will say, I don't cry. You don't cry. I don't cry. I didn't cry in 30 years. Well, then you're going to get an ulcer and die, all right? Because God designed us to cry. We should cry. It's part of who we are. Grieving is, is normal. God, God knows. Grieving is good. God created us to, to grieve. I saw a quote this week that says, drink every drop of grief to see our loved ones and what they have left behind will give us daily pain. The clothes they wore, the letters they wrote, the books they read, the chairs they sat in, the music they loved. But what would we be without those reminders? There is a joy that only the brokenhearted can know. God made us this way. God knows exactly what you're feeling right now. He created you as an emotional being. The next thing we can pull out of these, this, this one verse is that our faces are not reliable, okay? So God knows us, and our faces are not reliable. I look around the room, and some of you, most of you have really nice faces, but not all of you, but most of you have really nice faces, <laughs> Um, but as nice as they look, they're not reliable. Uh, we, can, we can cover up a lot of the reality of our lives with facial expressions. It says in verse 13, even in laughter, the heart may ache. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. Laughter, the New Living Translation again, laughter can conceal a heavy heart. 
But when laughter ends, the grief remains. To, to read a face is, is easy. Some of you are really good at that too. You can read faces really well. But to read someone's heart is far more difficult. And in this verse, we learn that even when someone is laughing, their heart may still be in pain. Just because someone paints a big smile on their face, just because someone's loud and boisterous and laughing all the time, it might appear that they're, that they're having a good time and that things are really lighthearted. But in reality, there may be a lot of pain going on in their heart. They may have a, a broken heart. It's just a mask that we can throw on, and we are some really great actors at times. Do you remember how shocked the world was when Robin Williams, one of the greatest comedians ever, took his life? People were shocked by that. The world was shocked by that. How can somebody who's so funny be so sad? I read a quote this week from Psychology Today that said, often the funniest people are the saddest. The deeper the black hole, the more humor we need to dig ourselves out of it. Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, also began to write down all the things that he had learned at the end of his life. And he said, I'm going to test pleasure. You remember we talked about this when we were doing the Ecclesiastes study this summer. I'm going to test pleasure. And then he said of laughter, madness. And of pleasure, what does it accomplish? It's all vanity. It's all meaningless. Now, make sure you hear me clearly. Proverbs is not saying that we shouldn't laugh or smile. In fact, a lot of us need to do that way more often. There are enough grumpy Karens in the world, and most of them call themselves Christians. <laughs> so we need to be, we need to smile. We need to laugh more. But what Proverbs is teaching us is that laughter and joy are two very different things. Joy is, is fixed. I've seen people go through some of the, the hardest days that this life has to offer. And although they're not laughing or smiling in the moment, they have deep anchored joy because the joy of the Lord is their strength. And I've seen people who have laughed and laugh and laugh and have the best time, but in reality, they have zero joy. So our faces are not reliable. So first, God knows us well. Our faces are not reliable. So that really shows us that we, we need people in our life that we can, we can be real with God, but we also need people in our life that we can be real with, someone that we can share our heart with, someone that knows really what's going on behind the smile and the laughter, someone that won't judge you, someone that won't gossip about you, but someone that loves you and will walk through those, those hard things with you. So God knows us well. Our faces are not reliable. And then third, the end really matters. The end really matters. Verse 13, remember it says, even in laughter, the heart may ache and rejoicing may, what's the word there? End in grief. The word end is a, is a key word here, end. It actually ties into the, the verse right before it, verse 12. Let's, let's read that. If you guys are okay with it, we're only focusing on one verse anyway, so why not read another one? Verse 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. The end, the end, the path that you choose has an end. The end of life has an end. 
It's either the, the end of this path leads to, to life, eternal life, or the path that we're on leads to death or destruction or hell. And we don't like to think about the end. We like to think about now. Like what's going on right now? Not, not the end of now, but now. You know, I'm going to go out to, to lunch and I'm going to eat a plate of food and then I'm going to go up and get a second serving of food and I'm not going to think about the end. But you know what? That's not, it's not wrong for us to go get a second plate of food, is it? Is it? Help me out because if it is, I'm in trouble. Uh, it, no, but if, you, but if you do that every meal for 40 years, what is the end going to look like? There's going to be consequences. Yeah, fast. That's right. Quick. We, you know, the, what is the end of, we, we see that website or on our phone and we kind of start down this trail of illicit um, website links or whatever. And we think, well, we don't think about, we don't think about the end. We think about now. I want to, I want to look at this now. I want to go to this place now. But what is the end? What does the end look like? A broken home, broken marriage, loss of trust, an unrealistic view of relationships and intimacy? What about the, the urge to respond to that text or that message that just rubbed you the wrong way and you're like, I just can't let this go. I need to respond like right now and you're angry and you're getting ready to respond. What if we stop and we say, What's the, what, what does the end of this look like? A, a broken relationship, loss of character, loss of integrity, loss of reputation, Maybe somebody will say, oh, man, I thought you were a Christian. What is, this, what is this all about? What about that text message that pops up on our phone when we're driving down the road and we say, I got to look at this. I got to see what this text message is. Oh, I need to respond to this right now. I can't wait five minutes. I can't pull over. I need to respond right now as I'm driving down the road. What does the end of that look like? We're thinking about now, but the end could look like a crash. It could look like you getting hurt. It could look like you hurting someone else. It could be even worse. What does the end look like? The end. Adam and Eve didn't think about the end. When they took the fruit and ate it, God said, you can have everything you want. There's freedom. Look at all that I've created. Enjoy everything that I've created. Just don't eat from this one tree in the middle of the garden. Everything else is yours. They didn't think about the end. They went to the tree and they ate the fruit of it anyway. They didn't stop to think, what does the end of this look like if we do this? Proverbs, if you've been reading it with us, I think we're in chapter, what, 25 today? Is that what it is? 26? I can't remember. Uh, if you've been reading it with us, you, you're picking up on the reality that Proverbs tells us, stop and think about where this path ends. Stop. An example is an affair. Don't walk into the affair. I know it looks good on the other side of the fence, but remember Proverbs 5 verse 4 says, but in the end, in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. We have to think about the end. I think the best end possible for us is an eternity with our Creator, with our Savior, and our loved ones in heaven. That's the greatest end we could ever have. I think the worst end we could ever experience is an eternity separated from God in hell. It's the worst end. So you've got the, the best possible end, and you've got the worst possible end. And many 
do not want to think about that. Many do not want to deal with that. But we have to, and we should, because one day there will be an end. An end. Jesus gave us a story of a rich man in Lazarus. And after the death of this rich man, remember Luke chapter 16, verse 24, it says, So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. That is the end. One is comforted, one is tormented. As the worship team comes, think about the, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of the sermon, he says there's two, there's two paths, there's two gates. There's a, a wide gate, a broad gate, and there's a narrow gate. A wide and a narrow. The wide gate, he says, is, is it's broad, and lots of people go through it. But this path, this gate, leads to destruction. But he says, but narrow is a gate, and very few will find it, and very few will walk through it. But this is the gate that leads to life. That's the end. This is a, a so, these are sobering words or language by Jesus himself. In the end, there is one path that leads to death. There is one path that leads to life. Listen to the many descriptions of these two paths. I'm going to read one, two, three, I don't know, six, maybe six verses to you now in the Bible that talk about the end, okay? Proverbs 8, 35. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. Many of you know this and memorized it in one of our disciple groups. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God, coming out, does not have life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Revelation 21 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then John 3, 36, last verse. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Even in laughter, it says in Proverbs, even in laughter the heart may ache, and rejoicing may end in grief. So three truths that we pull out of this one verse. One, God knows you well. Aren't you thankful for that? 
God knows you well. He knows all of your emotions. He knows how you feel right now. And even more, he understands them. Jesus himself experienced every emotion that you've ever experienced. And he knows them. He created you. He loves you. He, he wants to be your best friend and walk you through it. Number two, your face isn't reliable. He knows what's behind the smile. He knows what's behind the laughter. He knows what's in the deepest parts of our lives. And although we may be able to hide that from the person beside us or even the people that we've welcomed or greeted this morning, you can't hide it from God because God created all of the hiding places. So you can't hide from him. He loves you. He knows you. So be real with him. And then the end matters. One day, our lives on this world will end and we'll have to we'll have to be in that place. One of those two places. And we have to think about the end. Where will we spend our eternity? Eternal life with our Savior, where all of our pain and suffering and hurt and sadness are gone forever, where everything good is, is better, <laughs> where everything good you've experienced in this earth will be better, or separated from God, where everything bad in this life will be worse. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ, is the answer. It is the way to eternal life. The end truly matters. Can we pray together? God, we, we thank you that you, you do know us and you know us well and you created us as emotional beings and those emotions may be all over the place today and that's okay we may laugh and cry in the same sentence and that's okay you, you know you know what's going on in the deepest places of our hearts we can't hide behind our smiles our laughter we can't hide from you you know it all and you know the condition of our heart and God, we thank you that you offer us a place of eternal life. Help us to, to think about the end where all of these negative human emotions that we feel will be no more. And so God, as we sit here, as we watch, Lord, that we would choose to be on the path, the narrow path that many, uh, very few people will actually step on but it's the path that leads to life, eternal life. And if that's you, just, just tell him. That, again, there's, we say it all the time, there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's really the, the condition of your heart, and he knows exactly what your heart is feeling right now, where you are. So just tell him that you, that you love him, that you're thankful for him, that you're tired of hiding. you're thankful for his sacrifice on the cross and his love for you even though he knows the, the worst and the best about you. Thank him for his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. Just tell him that you're ready to start living for him. If you're not quite sure what that means, ask him to teach you. Say, teach me what it means to live for you, to follow you. God, we thank you for those who have stepped off the, the broad path to the narrow path today. Thank you, Lord. We love you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.